0: Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive access to podcast episodes not released to the public by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. Ah, awesome. This parenting thing, we all figure it out.
1: I mean, okay. one way or another,
0: successfully, eh, but we, we, <laughs> we get through it. As, as successful as I can do it.
1: That's right. That's
0: all
1: I can 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 ask.
0: ask. When your poets are songwriters, your stories may present through a voice of spoken word. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 561. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today, I'm joined by Angela Joy, author of Black is a Rainbow Color. This beautiful book, illustrated by one to watch and the one to wow Aqua Holmes, is Angela's debut to the children's book world. The book answers a question from her daughter and it also bears witness to history, to legacy and to community. Angela included robust back matter, incorporating an author's note, an explanation of phrases referenced, a selection of poems from poets mentioned, a timeline entitled, and what shall we call you, and a playlist. This picture book has its own playlist. But what I will also say is that this picture book has its own presence and it's one that I hope many, many adults will welcome into their reading spaces and those spaces they share. Please welcome my guest, Angela Joy, author of Black is a Rainbow Color. My name is
1: Angela Joy. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm the author of Black is a Rainbow Color. This is my debut book to this point, I've been a stay-at-home mom, a singer, and a substitute teacher. So I'm entering a whole new world with you. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Angela Joy, thank you so much for being here. Do you know that your book is exceptional? Do you know? Did you, you've, have you gotten, you have, because your book, as of recording this, your book comes out in two weeks. Two so, weeks. So you've received finished copies you've you've seen the thing that the reader will hold
1: Mm.
0: how's that did you smell it did you feel (laughs) it did you like you know what i mean did you really take it in is the way i'm trying to to ask
1: i have to tell you it it's almost precious like i i don't want it to get any cracks in it (laughs) it's the page is still flow beautifully from the center because i i just i can't believe it's real like i i just it's 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 next to my desk right now and i just it's it's amazing to me that it's here finally after six years it just it hasn't really even sunk in yet to be honest it's just incredible
0: your words as illustrated as illuminated by aqua holmes's art I, I think it is a testament to what when publishing has magic, when that mm-hmm. works, when that pairing happens that way. because am I correct in assuming that this was not that your buddies with Aqua and you and Aqua went in to make a picture book together? <laughs> that never happens that way. Nope. so it's it's the magic then
1: it feels like magic. It feels serendipitous for sure. That's beautiful. Um, we didn't when we started out. Um, six years ago, um, AQA was brand spanking new. I think her first book had just come out. So she was under the radar still. And we came across her website and were blown away and said, this, this is the woman, this is the one. And that's where the magic began. I mean, when you see her work, I don't know regardless of the project i would want her to be on it because she is so incredible
0: and versatile because when oh. you say regardless of the project pick up any book with her name on it and it's different yes it's distinct yes. it it has her voice but it's different
1: that's the artist in her right i mean she is a true artist that was her career fine art before she started Somewhere. illustrating children's books mm. so that's she is an artist
0: I wanted th- this is going to be like really ish inside baseball ish before people are aware of this. But if, if if you if you the listener have not read Black Is a Rainbow Color, um, let me just say before we go um, deeper into this that I it, it made me want to see like this giant stained glass window on Aqua's wall that mm. is your book because it just feels like. She conceived of it as you do stained glass like a series of stained glass windows in a church that tell that story sequentially, right? That is how (laughs) the art feels uh, communicated in this story. And it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: So my brain is exploding right now because that was her goal the The theme was stained glass windows, and here you're saying it out loud. It doesn't say that in the book.
0: Um, it reads, but here you're saying I mean, it. The, the, this is this is a special book. This is a. I'm, I'm not going to go too deep into the church references, but to say that the text in this book and the art in this book is solemn, and that it, that it has that that feeling of your text is so poetic. It's so. Um, carefully selected, word by word, line by line. And I know that that's deliberate because I've read your back matter, Angela, and I know that you point to, you reference lots of historical points, not just in events, but also in music, in culture, in people's lives, in things going on. There's a lot that happens. And that, I mean... Again, that's not unlike stained glass windows in a church, right? There's mm. a lot of connections here, but we, I'm, we need to back up because now, now we're going deep without even introducing this book. Would you mind introducing what is Black is a Rainbow Color to those readers that haven't met your book yet?
1: Black is a Rainbow Color is an exploration of both the color black and the culture of black Americans. Um, it started with a question from my daughter. Um, she was, I think, six at the time, and she said, "Mommy, why do you keep calling us black when really we're brown?" And the question threw me, and it, it caused me to um, really dig deep to try to figure out how to explain the, the literal and the figurative to her at such a young age. And the result is this book that explores um, African-American history and culture, but also skin tone and celebrates all the Browns that make up the, the Black community.
0: It's, it, the text is, did you grow up on poetry? The words are so finely selected that I have to, do you mind if I read aloud some or could you read aloud some? How should we do this? I would love to hear you read. Do you mind if I read maybe the first, let's say, three pages just to give a sense of flow? Okay. Love it. It starts as this. Red is a rainbow color. Green sits next to blue. Yellow, orange, violet, indigo. They are rainbow colors too, but my color is black. And there's no black in rainbows. Black is a crayon tangled in a box. Black is a feather on a white winter snow. Black is the dirt where sunflowers grow. My color is black. Black is the braid in my best friend's hair. Black are the bottoms of summertime feet. Black are soft circles that spin down the street. My color is black. Bravo. I have read aloud your book so many times because Ah. it has a rainbow on the cover. It has beautiful <laughs> illustrations. It has the things that make four year olds and children in general, but I have a four-year-old, um, gravitate to books over and over and over.
1: Oh good. That makes my heart happy.
0: You've got I, I know you've got a bunch of readers already, but um you've you've got this beautiful book that starts with a question and sort of enters into this as I read the the sort of delight and joy of of these great things summer and my my uh, and hair and and the the um you know bike a scooter going and then it goes into history it goes into culture it goes into coming from Mm -hmm. somewhere Mm -hmm. and the people that have come before you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um i want to ask you where Where this journey of writing this manuscript took you, because you go to challenging complex thoughts and you do it in such a way that um it's as if there's just sort of these ripples we're just um skipping a pebble across a pond knowing that each of these moments are important and they all ripple out to other moments and mm. intersect with other moments but but there's 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 depth to each time that that pebble skips as well so i wonder what that journey looked like for you to bring this manuscript to how we encounter it as readers
1: hmm well i didn't grow up with poetry um but my 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 poets were songwriters. And so writing this, um, there there has to be a rhythm in what is written, in what is said. I'm writing for the spoken word. Um, so when you read it the way you did, it did truly warm my heart that the way the words are written on the page, Um, allows the reader to read them the way I hear the words in my head. Does that make sense?
0: It does. I think that that also indicates that you're writing to a page turn in a sense. Or Aqua has broken it up or the editor has broken it up in such a way that we've got these really great page turns. What I value about poetry is those line breaks. You can read the text straight as a sentence without those breaks. And it can, you know, give you whatever sense or clarity or understanding you're meant to, to, to find in that poem. But to ask why text is broken up a certain way or, or to hold the reader to that page turn, Mm
1: -hmm. to
0: suspend, uh, does something to the, to the mind, I think, to the, the alertness, the attentiveness to the text and to the story, the illustrations. And so I think that all of that thought put into how this text is presented is I I can see, I can hear the music in it. I can hear the intent of spoken word. And I got to say, I really value as a librarian, I value hearing from an author um, that in this book you were thinking about how it will be, how it will be read aloud Mm -hmm. to children, because I think maybe not all books are, are meant to be, um, performed in that way or maybe not all authors write with the awareness or the the foresight that it will be read aloud or performed to children mm-hmm. I'm trying mm-hmm. not to talk down about other authors I'm <laughs> No trying trash trying real talk. hard I'm not trash talking <laughs> i'm just saying some books <laughs> you can just read them aloud really really easily or um or maybe even, Angela, some authors know how to show the way for the reader to find the confidence that they can read that text in that special way.
1: Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. that's the
0: gift that you also were bestowing on those readers.
1: I hope so. I think from at the time that I was writing it, we... Um, <laughs> we actually had a reading bench in our home in Tennessee that we would literally read on every night. And so I can't uh, claim lofty goals (laughs) Uh, at, at this point. Really, I just wanted it to be something that another mom could sit with her children with and read with ease and expression. Um, I, it, at the time, it's it wasn't even in my mind that librarians might read it, which is incredible, <laughs> that teachers might read it to a class, which is incredible. Um, but I just wanted something that families could sit together and read out loud. And in my mind, um, you know, maybe mommy takes a page and then maybe baby brother takes a page. We can do it together as, as a group thing, um, which we did when they were little too. Um, but ag- again, the goal is just to have the book read and to increase the love for that family time and for literacy. That is my passion. Um, so that's what I was trying to do when I sat down to write the book 80 years ago. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How many books came before this? Or was this one of the ideas that you've just sat with forever. Was this the one that started the whole writing idea?
1: This is what started it all.
0: That's um, awesome. I know. Whoa, it's crazy. Cool. That feels like <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps here thinking about
1: that. <laughs> it's crazy luck. Um, but I i was open to the idea. Um Because I was finding at the time, and we're doing much, much better now, but six, seven years ago, I was finding there weren't a lot of books about African-American children that I could read to my African-American children.
0: The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. So, I know many of you have been listening for some time, and you know that I am obsessed with audiobooks. And the reason why that is, is because one, I can listen to them wherever I go, and two, because frankly, I'm a terribly slow reader, and three, the only time in the day that I've really been able to carve out time to read is after a long day of teaching, after we've prepared dinner for the kids and we've bathed them and we've sent them to bed at the very end of the night. That's what I can read and it is hard to read and get through a novel at that pace. So, thankfully, we have audiobooks. You know, now you've got lots of options when it comes to buying audiobooks, but what if you could support local bookstores at no extra cost to you? Did you know Libro.fm? Let's you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including those New York Times bestsellers, recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, I get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but I'm part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores.
1: Um, not to talk trash about anybody. But I remember going to our local suburban library in Tennessee and asking the librarian for recommendations on African American picture books for kids. And she you know she found a couple, but then she looked at me in my eyes and she said, Well, I guess she'll just have to use her imagination.
0: Okay. I'm I'm really trying to hold my Feelings back right now. I can't imagine. Well, let let's be honest. I so I'm a white guy. That's not something that I ever would would have been told. And it also took me forever to realize because of growing up in I don't know because of growing up in central Pennsylvania because of the way I was raised because of the way that I that I am not trying to talk trash about my family, (laughs) but but there are holes there were holes and blind spots in the way that I was raised. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know what I was missing. I don't think I even realized that I was seeing myself in every book that I read or seeing, you know, animals or seeing, (laughs) um, you know, trucks and vehicles and stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but to be, to be in a school, uh, with a diverse population and to feel what it feels like to have that experience that you had, of only from the other side, of someone asking me, "Do you have a do you have a book with a character that looks like me, or is like my family, or shares in whatever way a mirror for me?" Uh, to not have that um, makes me feel a great deal of sadness and shame. Yes, not this lady. <laughs> she was like, "It's your fault." <laughs> just imagine yourself imagine just imagine yourself Mm.
1: and that's what I did for a long time I didn't imagine but I would I would buy picture books and I would use colored pencils and shade people in and make Afro puffs where there are ponytails and that's that's how I rolled for I don't know five years but I was open and I was thinking you know there's got to be a different way I I can do this I can make this better I can throw my hat in the ring And so, um, when this curious question came, I thought this might be the avenue to take to try to make a difference in my own small little, little way. And now, oh my goodness, there's so many diverse books coming out. It's, it's incredible. We still need more. Um, but it's, uh, what's coming out right now is just incredible. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled.
0: I would agree. I watched those statistics from Lee and Lowe and I know that, The needle is moving, but Mm -hmm. um, not nearly at the rate um, that I think many of us would like it to. And that could be any number of things, right? It could be that publishers are not buying those books or that people are not writing those books or that we librarians are not purchasing those books. Like we are. This is a there are a lot of people responsible for making sure yeah. that all children can be seen in children's books. And so I'm grateful that you, Angela chose to throw your hat in the ring as it were, and to, to write what you did. And I think about the way you said about your family reading this book and the way that when AQUA um, and the editors set the type for this book, mm-hmm. that they gave us choruses I mean, your text has choruses as well, or refrains. Black mm-hmm. is a color, black is a culture. But there are also these moments that I'm, I guess, calling, choosing to call choruses where the text is a little bit bigger and a little bit bolder. And it sort of feels like these are the words we all say together. Mm. I think of on, on this page that we have uh, a mother reading or a woman reading to two mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. It says black is history. Black is family black is memory black is community black is the love that lives inside of me and that text that no longer the the three lines that i just read go straight across the page and they're all lined up uh spaced evenly and then uh a line bent like a rainbow reads my color is black the text Mm -hmm. is a, a little bolder a little bigger and as you were sharing about reading with your kids it was making me think oh yeah, this book kind of has built in, now it's time for the chorus to say the part. <laughs> now it's time for all of us to join in or for the four-year-old to read this part or uh, to come back to that refrain, that line that you know, that line that we want you to internalize.
1: Yes. Yes, you got it. You got it. All those little details that I would have never thought of. <laughs> Thank God for Aqua.
0: Her her work in this is exceptional. We, yeah. I have to say, um, just to take... And aside, because I've noticed publishing changing and we've done um, in my library, or my libraries, I've been in a couple different schools for the past um, 12 years or so. Uh, we've done mock book awards because I think it's a great experience for children to see mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and follow what award committees do. Let's look at what criteria books have, and let's try to follow those criteria ourselves and, and mm-hmm. evaluate books based on very specific criteria. So we did Caldecott books for some time, and we talked about um, looking in the verso at what materials were used to make the book. And I did that for this book. I read what um, materials Aqua used to make her paintings and collage and all these different mixed media that she Mm -hmm. used to make these gorgeous illustrations in black is a rainbow color. Um, But some time ago I decided that uh, with my population, uh, being a diverse group of children, ethnically diverse, um, that we had an opportunity to shine a light on awards that centered other people. So, this is the third year running now that we've done a mock credit Scott King award Mm. and um, this year being in a, a a new school, but still having that same challenge of uh, selecting. We do it sort of a little bit differently because I'm reading aloud to children in K through four. Uh, So we select picture books that are written and illustrated by African American authors and illustrators. Whereas Mm -hmm. the CSK does a, 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 an author award, and uh illustrator award for those that are unaware of that we sort Mm -hmm. of combine them um and do picture books so that we can read aloud the books to everyone but we Mm. still look at the criteria for the award and the past winners we talk Mm -hmm. about what's in our library and what they should read uh, and all the books that um could have um been considered by the committee that just didn't get the award but we should still read in love because they're awesome Mm. but um, I, I was showing them <laughs> because I'm in this new school. I was showing them. So here's the 16 books that we're gonna read this year. They all came out in twenty nine or they all came out in 2019. The awards mm-hmm. gonna be in 2020. Mm-hmm. But I was like, <laughs> let me. I that book that I read. I read my students. Black is a rainbow color because. I mean, this is what you do. You read awesome books. I'm I'm a librarian who has a podcast, so I get cool books in the mail, and I'm like, oh, I'm reading this with children right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was neat to be able to talk to the children about how I'm already setting aside those books that we'll consider next year. So I say mm-hmm. that to you, Angela, because your books, your debut, and I want all authors to hear this, but you have a book coming out, and that makes you part of a library And a library program in a school for a librarian can be a legacy for that librarian. And so Mm -hmm. in that way, I want you to hear, because this is because your work matters to me a lot. And it's, it's now part of our legacy that we're doing at this school. These children and I doing this mock credit Scott King each year and taking time to study these books and these awards and consider the time and the, the, the thought that went into them that, (laughs) I'm realizing your book hasn't even come out yet but it's to say that the work you do is so much bigger than what you do and I'm so excited for the rest of the world to keep connecting with you because it's about to happen it's Mm. about to be on shelves which (laughs) means that you're about to get like random tweets and emails and little love notes from kids (laughs) saying like I never saw myself in a book and now now it's you that helped me see uh-huh. myself. Ah. So I wonder if I can ask this. I sort of gave a long lead in because I felt sheepish asking you this question. But I wanted to ask, how, how has it been preparing to debut? I don't often get to ask that of individuals. Mm-hmm. And you said this idea was six years in the making. Mm-hmm. So how has that time been? Knowing that you've got authors and aspiring authors and 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 many who are the ones that are in my library <laughs> that listen to this podcast <laughs> i wonder um what it's been like for you to go through that process of making a book and debuting well um
1: i mean to be honest it's 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 been a roller coaster um because this was my debut. There's lots of frustrating things that came along with it that a second book wouldn't necessarily have or a third, like trying to find an agent, which is actually pretty tough. Um, and then trying to sell it to publishers who have never heard of you. Um, you've got no street cred. <laughs> you've got no track record. Um and that was really, really hard. But to get the book sold was thrilling. Um, and then we've had this slow burn, this slow burn of of waiting and anticipation. Um, when we signed Aqua, she had, I think, two or three other books ahead of mine. So <laughs> we just we put everything on hold for a bit. And that's when, for me, I started to wonder, is this ever going to really happen? I mean, when the publisher said to me, um, AQA can get it out in 2019. It was 2016. And I said, well, I could be dead by then. (laughs) (laughs) It's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, but I'm still here. And it was so worth the wait, um, to see these illustrations come to life, bring the words to life, the beauty on every page, um, is thrilling. I am more enamored with the illustrations than I am with the words at this point. Um, I'm just so proud to have my name next to hers on this book. Um, and so the, the feeling of presenting our baby to the world, uh, if I were an illustrator, I might be a little sheepish and intimidated, but because it's so beautiful, I want to shout from the hilltops, it's here. It's here, people, (laughs) Mm. (laughs) because we've been waiting for so long. But it's 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 been well worth the wait, as I said. Um, It's it's scary. It's um, a little bit um, exhausting trying to think of all the things that need to be done to prepare um, I'm not a social media person, but I, I got to get myself together. So that's been a whole process, a, a, a shift in, in mental orientation, of uh, putting myself out there. I don't know about other authors, but at least for me, um, I, I want to write what I think and feel and I want to, you know, edit it and then put it out to the world. I'm not really one to tweet. Uh, I'm not really one to share all my personal stuff on Facebook or Instagram or whatever i'm I'm very much an introvert um so shifting that in order to hopefully let as many parents and kids as possible see this product um has been a challenge. but um I can't wait. The thing I'm looking most forward to is seeing those kids getting in a classroom with those kids, reading to those kids. Cause that's, that's, that's the reason we did it. Adults make me nervous, but put me in a room full of kids. I'm on fire. Can't wait.
0: Have you so, read your manuscript or shared your man, your, your book with any of these classes you've subbed in or anything like that?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know. This is so exciting.
1: Wow. The most that I've done is when aqua I don't know if I should say this, but when Aqua sent her first sketches um, to my editor, my editor shared them with me, and I gave the kids a little preview. I was like, this is what I've been working on. And to see them um, get excited for me, but also getting excited at the process that goes into making a book was thrilling. I mean, they had no idea that they starred in black and white, and it's... You know, very basic, but then it grows into something else. So, my hope is when we have the book launch on the 14th, I'm inviting that same class oh. to come to the launch to see the final product, to see what has happened in the past year.
0: That's amazing. What a really special opportunity for children to see that process that we saw the sketches and now it's finished. Wow. Yeah 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 is is there a favorite spread that that you find as you read it you you stop on as I read but I'm going to preface it this way as I read aloud books to children Mm -hmm. when I'm reading them to four or eight or however many different classes I will find as I as I settle into the rhythm of the book that invariably there will be a spread or two that I will always give pause to because it's it, it's a, it's a savor spread. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the entire book is, is, is gorgeous. There's just something about the way the words and the illustrations hit. Um, I wonder if there is for you that, that moment or that first time that it happened in the book for you.
1: For me, hands down is the Paul Lawrence Dunbar mm. spread. Um, black is the color of ink staining page. Black is the mask that sheltered his rage that shelters his rage, I think. Um, that stops me in my tracks every time. It's got the caged bird. It's got Paul Lawrence Dunbar um, in his youth writing poetry as an elevator boy. Um, and that spread, besides being stunning, um, was not initially in the manuscript. It was Connie Shu, my editor, who said, hey, you know, um, what you've got written here isn't quite as strong as the rest. So let's take this segment and, and try to massage it a little more, see what we come up with. And the text got stronger and the illustration blew my mind. That That is my favorite spread, the way that it incorporates the caged bird and the man, and the man is in the cage of the elevator, um, sheltering his rage. The, just the, the way that that illustration brings the words to life um is is stunning to me and of course i love the colors um i also love the the page that you mentioned earlier with the woman reading to the children i love how aqua has inserted real pictures of people into the yes. the blanket that surrounds them i just <laughs> well, on it's the, incredible
0: on on that previous pay, page page because it is the page turn then on the previous page where, where you read, black is the color of ink staining page. Black is the mask that shelters his rage. Black are the birds in cages that sing. And you've got text in the collage. There are pages of books right mm-hmm. in there. It's just mm-hmm. it's stunning. For me, the page that first caught me, if you don't mind me sharing, um, does a, a, a similar... Um, aesthetic choice, which is that I uh, was just stopped with black is a rhythm, black mm. is the blues, yes. black is sidewalking in spit shine shoes. And she just has, I want to count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people from lower than the waist down, like just above the knees down. Mm-hmm. And they almost make a color spectrum in the colors of their clothing, which Mm -hmm. has this exceptional texturing and patterning going on. And the sidewalk they're walking on is newsprint. Yes. Just outstanding. And and that was, as I've reread the book, that to me was the gateway to all of the weight of, of the deeper story that was about to be unfolded in the pages to come. Yes, and um, that promise pays off in in exquisite ways, to both your credit and to Aiko's credit.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. Award- it's almost like she's laid Easter eggs throughout the book. If you just dig into the collage, you see little hints of deeper meaning throughout. It's it's incredible,
0: but but almost. I almost feel like Easter eggs doesn't even do it justice because here it's, it's almost the invitation to study mm, art, right? We talk yeah. about how, I mean, my word, when you were writing this book six years ago, many of the readers who will encounter this book weren't even born yet. Boy. And, <laughs> but I say that because that beautiful, amazing thing about picture books is that it is often the very first time a child will ever interact with art in mm, art so this exquisite and this fine as we get in picture books we are in this wonderful mm-hmm. time of picture books they, they are just they're exceptional yes. um and yes. to know the work that can be uh excavated in visual literacy in this book alone that what do you what do you think that this means why do you think the artist chose those materials chose to display the picture or ma- com- make the composition that way there's so much to study and yes. to 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 garner from this book and that's not even to to um acknowledge that you've given such wonderful back matter in this book can i ask was the back matter always part of this book from when you were first conceptualizing it
1: absolutely Yeah. I wanted, um, there were, there were references obviously in the text that some people would get if they were in the know, but I wanted to make it for everyone. So I felt it was important to explain all those references. Um, so yes, we did the back matter pretty early on.
0: You're right. Let me just say that It's been a while since I read a book that I want to read aloud the back matter on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's been since hands up. Did you read that beautiful picture book? I
1: don't know. Hands up. up. I'm writing it down.
0: Oh yeah. That, that is, that is one for you to read. Um, The illustrator is Shane W Evans, which I think that that might be a name that you might recognize. He's illustrated um many many beautiful uh books but the author is also a debut author her name is brianna j mcdaniel okay hands up may have been published it may have been published uh, nearly a year ago as well like it might have been a january 2019 book too it's one of our Mm -hmm. moxie sk books um and i interviewed brianna about this book and her um author's note, speaks to wanting to uh, display that phrase, hands up, in different ways, and all the other ways that we Mm. encounter it, because it's such a racially charged phrase, such an emotionally charged phrase, and you... Angela, do such a beautiful job as well um, in that author's note, doing that wonderful thing of saying every word in this book matters. Do you have the book in front of you by any chance? I do. Yes. Would you mind reading? I'm not going to ask you to read the entire author's note, but if you could read the last paragraph of your author's note, starting with the word black, Hmm. the word black, I'm not even going to read anymore, but I, I would love to ask for you to read that aloud to us.
1: Okay. I can do that. The word black can be dicey, though. Loaded with historical baggage, there are as many emotional responses to black as there are shades of tan, beige, and brown. Yet on these pages, it has been my intent to present all that is beautiful, loving, and strong about black, to make the word safe and palatable for children of all ethnicities. I hope that Black is a Rainbow Color will serve as a point of departure for educators and parents alike, launching a greater exploration into this dynamic slice of American life and all of the complexities that go with it.
0: I love that you use on these pages. It is a text for us to examine, to hold up, to look at. Even there in your author's note. You give that space for this book to be more than a story, uh, to be something to reflect, um, to hold up, to mirror, to window. There's so much here. And then on the next side of the, on the accompanying page, (laughs) you give a playlist, (laughs) which we were talking about before we started recording. Tell me about the playlist.
1: So music is my thing. It's the love of my life. And so when I talk to my children about black history, I can't exclude music. So on that night when I was sitting with my children and they asked me the question, I had prepared a playlist at that time of <laughs> black history songs that we were going to play after we read some black history books. And so this is the playlist. This is what we had, uh, with the exception of Glory, which came later. Um But I feel music is, I want to infuse my children with music that is positive, that is self-affirming. And this is really where we started. I remember that year, my son in his sunglasses playing the bongos, saying, Say it loud! I'm black and I'm proud.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> James Brown. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Oh. And so this is a piece I wanted to share so that if you are a teacher and you don't have time to do a Black History Month uh, lesson on your own, here you go. You got You got some music. You got some history. You have art. It's all here.
0: You turn the page and you lift your own text. You point to the references you give footnotes but what i found to be so beautiful was that there weren't any footnotations in the picture book itself in the main text itself mm-hmm. they're here as if to say i know that phrase caught mm-hmm. your attention or i i i that phrase there was intentional and i want i want us to give just a little bit of time to talk about what Sidewalking in spit shine shoes refers to what hush now don't explain means. I love that you have not only given such thought to those words but also the space to say this isn't just a book for those who get it those who know those phrases, but it's a book as you said in your author's note, which is why I wanted to call that out it's a book for all it's a book for all to engage and Absolutely. For all to to. To seek deeper understanding and 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 to to really lavish in the complexities, as you were saying,
1: absolutely. And we didn't want to take any more space in the book itself, in the text itself, to to have footnotes. Uh, we thought that would be distracting. But um, to list the words in the back. Um, hopefully also reinforces what is has been read before. because um, I really would love all of these phrases to kind of get embedded in the soul of, of kids um, to create a curiosity that goes beyond the 10 minute reading that may happen um, with a caregiver or, or teacher.
0: There's I'm watching our time. this happens to me all the time where I'm like, It slipped through our fingers, (laughs) but we have so much more to ask. I want to, I want to point folks to your and what shall we call you a timeline Mm. Mm -hmm. last piece that was included where, where words are put down on a page so as to acknowledge and not maybe give children fear to say the word. And I'm saying that because when I started doing some diversity work with my children, I remember with my students, I remember uh, a couple years ago, it wasn't that long ago, that um, children had a hard time, and maybe still they do, Have um, some children had a hard time with me referring to myself as white. Hmm. They had been... Perhaps so ingrained that that we don't talk about race or that we or that white people don't refer to themselves as anything um that that was an odd thing, but one I was grateful to be able to work with and mm-hmm. unpack with my students, specifically my students of color um, and I think that i i or I, I feel that same feeling come up when I see your timeline listing. Negro, hypodescendant, African, Afro-American, leading all the way to um, 2020, where I found the note so interesting. You write, Common standards of writing practice call for the use of a lowercase b when referring to black people and their interests. In the spirit of W.E.B. Du Bois campaign, the b in black has been capitalized herein. I think that um, <clears throat> being able to point to the nature of language mm-hmm. changing, being able to point to prior to that, you list black and, and mention that it is I close the book, but um, something about that being sort of the most common self identifying term mm-hmm. used by African-American people, I think is the way your line starts. But this notion that language is changing and that I think I think it's fair to say that it's okay to ask people how would you like me to refer to you.
1: Absolutely, how would you like for
0: me to say, Angela, can I ask you how when when introducing yourself to others, or if I were to ask you, um, how you refer to yourself? Do you refer to yourself as African American or as Black, or maybe interchangeably when the circumstances are one setting or another? Uh,
1: I would. It's tricky. Um, even for me, um, I can say that in settings with other black folks, I say black folks, no problem. Mm. Um, and that's probably most common when I am unsure of my audience or new to a group of people. Uh, I will refer to myself as African American. I think, The worry is, at least for me, that um, the wrong person will say Black the wrong way, and it will be an issue, Um, because Black can be used as a dagger, Um, and it's a word that can't be um, given to everyone. (laughs) If you are a respectful person, if you are um a person that endeavors to um honor the person you're speaking to i don't have a problem with you calling me black you mr winner could call me black no problem um
0: please call me matthew (laughs) but that's very sweet of you to say that (laughs) i suddenly felt like oh (laughs) well since we're talking
1: about titles you know no um but uh, in in more formal surroundings, I would definitely go African American just just to play it safe. I think that is the safer um, term. So I I guess I would use both. You said, but now promoting word? this
0: book, I'm going to be black. Hmm. No, you said <laughs> you said it is a word that cannot be given to everyone, and and that um, I really felt that, and I really appreciate your candor. And I appreciate the level of thoughtfulness that you have given this book and the carefully selected words and back matter and that response and just everything, the complexity you point back to. I value this conversation that we had, Angela, and I cannot wait to catch up with you again and hear a billion stories about you connecting with children.
1: Ah. I look forward to it. Thank you so
0: much for the opportunity. You're a dream. Can I ask you one last question? Yes. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Angela, is there a message I can bring to them from you?
1: Oh, yes. I've been thinking about talking to kids. And I think the most important thing I would share with children is that the world is filled with amazing mysteries and experiences, histories, and heroes, and the best way to explore them is through books, through reading. Um, For me, reading is one of the most incredible gifts that one can give to themselves, because those ideas, those characters get embedded in the soul, and once they're there, no one can take them away. So if I were to send a message to your kids, I would just tell them to read, read, read as much as you can. Give yourself the gift of reading.
0: Change your life. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed.